This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. Well, he wants to become the next premier of the province, and if recent polls are anything to go by... He has a good shot at it. PC leader Patrick Brown is in the House, and it's a great opportunity to ask him about the issues that are important to you. It's also a good opportunity to get to know him a little bit. One of the criticisms leveled against him is that we don't really know where he stands on a lot of issues, especially social issues. So here he is, ready to answer the questions. The numbers to call, 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. The timing of this visit is fortuitous because it is the day after the Liberals released their fiscal update, which was full of election goodies. So, Patrick Brown, welcome, and thank you so much for being here. Well, it's great to be here in studio at Zoomer Radio, and uh, looking forward to all the questions. Okay, well, we may as well start with that fiscal update that came down yesterday and uh, the conservative response to it. Um, They gave small business a bit of a tax cut to make up for the introduction of a higher minimum wage. Uh, Minimum wage is going up to 14 bucks January 1. A lot of small businesses has complained. Uh, Financial Management Office says it could cost 50,000 jobs. TD says it could cost 90,000 jobs. And it's set to go to $15.00. Uh, in 2019, of course, if the Liberals are in power, you've said that you would uh, delay that last dollar by three years. Yeah, you know what? Uh, I'm very concerned about how the Liberals are playing politics with this. Uh, we can't risk tens of thousands of jobs in the province of Ontario the way it's being rushed. A year ago, Kathleen Wynne was dead set against this. She said it would kill jobs. Well, things changed. Her polling numbers haven't improved. She's close to an election, and so she's offering what she views as goodies out to the public. The the concern, though, is when policy is built on political timelines, not the timelines of good public policies, that people get hurt. And when the TD Bank, when the Chambers of Commerce, when the government's own budget watchdog says that tens of thousands of Ontarians are going to lose their job, disproportionately low-income, vulnerable workers, I'm concerned. You know, what, what we've heard, the feedback on this is, is that if you have a more gradual implementation period, we can get both. We can get to $15, and we can protect those jobs. And so the PC approach would be the second part of this we would phase in over um, our first mandate. Okay, well, okay, but the the biggest hit to small business, if you consider of that, is is a done deal. It's a fait complete of 14 bucks. So by, you know, delaying the rest of it by 25 cents a year, um, aren't you sort of 
kind of uh, you're you're going to make the people who need the extra money unhappy while not really giving that much of a break to business. Well, we can't go back in time. Uh, I thought the, the the bill should have been more incremental, uh, but this is going to be uh, the reality in Ontario as of January 1st. Um, and so for the part that's not implemented after the election, we will have a more pragmatic and reasonable approach. Uh, listen, all the job creators I've spoken to, and this morning I was in York Region speaking to the Chambers of Commerce, and the businesses there were saying, we get no one can live on $11 an hour. Just give us notice to adapt because when we have contracts we have to abide by where there are um, fixed fixed costs they have to live under, their only choice is, unfortunately, uh, layoffs. And I don't want to see those layoffs. I want to make sure we keep those jobs in Ontario. I want to keep those that investment in Ontario. And I just find whether it's hydro costs, whether it's the regulatory burden, right now we've got a government that views small businesses as an enemy uh, and, and they're feeling pummeled. You know, at Libby, normally I wouldn't quote uh, uh, a federal liberal, but let me share a quote from John Manley, former deputy prime minister under Jean Chrétien and finance minister. And he wrote an article, surprisingly in the Financial Post, criticizing Kathleen Wynne, saying what this government doesn't realize with their rush labor reforms and hydro policies. Well, he's and red now tape. a business lobbyist, yeah. basically. Yeah. But one of the yeah. most senior yeah. liberals yeah. in Canada. And, and he said what she doesn't realize is that we're not an island on our own in the Pacific Ocean. And when provincial policies inconsistent with adjacent provinces and states, we will lose jobs and investment. And I, I just wish Kathleen Wynne would, would hear those concerns of our small businesses. Okay. Well, uh, there's a lot to uh, talk about that, but uh, our audience has questions for you. So let's start with Bob in Etobicoke. Hi, Bob. Hi, how are you? Fine. How are you? Yeah. Um, there's a couple of items I want to mark, uh, remark about. Okay. Tr- is... try, try starting with one, Bob. Okay. The one is the minimum wage. The minimum wage... I think the minimum wage, if it's for full-time people, should probably stay where it is because they have to have benefits. So people could probably live on 35 hours a week at the rate they are, providing they get some benefits. Bob, Bob, do you have a question for Patrick Brown? Yeah. Um, I, I have a suggestion about the hydro rates because the hydro rates are killing everybody in special businesses. I would like to see that the... Uh, Hydro rates, uh, the consumer not necessarily have to pay all of the back mistakes made by the province. And I blame the consumers. The consumers elected a government that ruined it. So I would like to see um, maybe increase the, um, the provincial sales tax enough to cover the hydro rates so that we can have a reasonable cost in hydro rates. We're cutting forests down to burn wood because we can't afford to heat our houses. A lot of heat houses in the north are electric heat. They all have wood stoves now. Okay, Bob, I'm okay. going to let Patrick respond to the question okay. about hydro rates because uh, that is uh, an important question. So, one, one of the biggest challenges we have in Ontario right now is the fact that we've seen hydro rates skyrocket to among the highest in North America. I know the Liberals announced their borrowing plan in the spring, but borrowing $93 billion to get $21 billion back uh, temporarily is not a plan. We need to fix the structural problems. And the reality is we have a massive overgeneration. We have, we've signed so many long-term contracts and continue to sign them that not only do we give it away to the United States, we have to waste our own water power. Niagara Falls, 
Ontario hydroelectric generation, we spilled so much water, wasted so much water power last year, we could have powered 500,000 homes. I'm going to align generation with consumption. I'm going to look at every one of their bad deals. I'm going to stop signing new ones. I'm going to rein in the executive salaries at Hydro One that are atrocious. You know, the CEO, Libby, gets $4.5 million. We know that. And Hydro One in Quebec gets 400000 And I asked Kathleen Wynne, the legislature, how do you justify signing off on these salaries? And her response to me was, that's what we pay in corporate America? Give me a break. It's unacceptable. You shouldn't have to pay people 10 times the amount to work for Kathleen Wynne in this province. I want to make sure that every dollar we spend is spent in a manner that's responsible. Okay, but, uh, you know, I've asked Andrea Horvath the same question, is what are you going to be able to do about it when there are signed contracts? First of all, do you even know what's in the signed contracts? And Well, well Andrea I, I supported those contracts. She voted for the Green Energy Act, so I, I get why she doesn't want to do anything. The NDP and the Liberals have the same hydro policy. What I would do differently is this. One, every single contract I will enforce to the letter uh, of the law. We only have one copy of the contracts. The Liberals have kept them secret. On that one that we got through an FOI, the Samsung deal, we could have got out of a billion and a half of surplus energy. There was an exit clause for a portion of the contract. Rather than take the exit clause, the government chose just to blow it for optics so they didn't appear like they're walking away from the Green Energy Act. But Libby, it's not just the old bad contracts. They keep on signing new ones. They just proceeded this fall with Fit 5, 390 more of these contracts. So in the spring, they borrow $93 billion to pay for these old bad contracts. And in the fall, they start it all again. And here's the crazy thing, Libby. People say they, they, they must just be incompetent. It's actually, it's worse than incompetence. These companies, these 30 companies that got these mega contracts donated $1.3 million to the Ontario Liberal Party. And the most astonishing thing of all this, the Auditor General said on renewable energy, we overpaid as a province by $9.2 billion. So this whole hydro mess, it, it is an incompetence. Unfortunately, it's the Liberals taking care of their own insiders, friends, and donors, and, and, and we have to clean this mess up, and I intend on it. Okay, uh, let's go to uh, Marissa, Marissa Semku, and uh, she is not just a member of the audience. Marissa is the policy director for CARP. Hi, Marissa. Hi, Libby. Hi, Patrick. Hello. Um, I'm so happy to be able to ask you a question, so why don't I get started? It's kind of actually two-pronged. CARP, as you know, has been in the news a lot recently because of our advocacy efforts to better protect pensioners and corporate defined benefit pensions. Um, So this issue is both federal and more importantly, it's provincial, federal insofar as our bankruptcy laws are governed federally, but provincially because of the solvency rules. So uh, back to the question. My first part of the question is uh, the Ontario government is talking about relaxing the solvency rules for defined benefit pensions. Would you commit to reversing this, or do you have any concerns about it? And two, the pension benefit guarantee fund covers up to $1,000 per month of a person's pension, which is very different than 100%. So while the safety net's there, there's no guarantee that pensioners are made whole. Would you commit to expanding this? So I certainly don't support relaxing the rules. Uh, I want to see pensions protected. Uh, And right now we have an affordability crisis in Ontario. The last thing a senior can uh, sustain right now is for potentially for a pension to be lost. And so, uh, you know, I I, I think regardless of what party you belong to, it it should be a basic uh, assumption that we're going to make sure that if, unfortunately, if there is a bankruptcy, that uh, um, it's not – 
the executive that gets taken care of first and foremost, that it's the obligations on the pensions that are the first thing that, 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 get, uh, that there's responsibility for. And so when I hear these stories about the rules being relaxed, uh, um, I, I share your concern that it's worrisome and, and I wouldn't stand for it. Very good. And uh, how about with the pension benefit guarantee fund? Are you considering uh, expanding it or has that been part of your, your platform? So we'd have to get some more information on that. I, I, I haven't heard about the limits there, but uh, but certainly I would want to make sure that to the, the areas that the government of Ontario within our purview can influence as much as possible. I want to make sure that we we have pr- protected, secure pensions for as many Ontarians as we as possible. Okay, okay Marissa, well. thanks so much for that. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye. Okay, let's go to Michelle in Georgetown. Hi, Michelle. Hello, um, Libby. Hello, Patrick. Hello. Hi. Um, my question has to do with the long, the waits for long-term care. Um, everywhere you go and everyone you talk to, somebody has a loved one or a friend that's on a waiting list or sitting in a hospital waiting for care. Um, what is the PC's plan or policy to address this? Great, great question. And this doesn't get enough uh, attention in the province of Ontario, and it will be part of my uh, platform. ALC rates in most hospitals, which is alternative level of care, are roughly 20%. Right. And just to refresh people on what that means, that means that people who can leave the hospital, but they have nowhere to go, so they stay in the hospital taking up beds while people who need hospital cares are taken care of in the hallway. So we have have hallway medicine because of this. We're paying three times the amount sometimes to care for someone in a hospital rather than a long-term care bed. Mm-hmm. The government of Ontario has underfunded dramatically uh, home care and long-term care. A progressive conservative government would invest significantly in both long-term care and home care. You know, when there was a period in the mid-90s and early 2000s, we built 20,000 long-term care beds in the province of Ontario. And then for the last 15 years, there's been a complete absence of, of action. And, and I have to say, you know, this may not be exciting headlines for the government. They don't do announcements for long-term care, but it is so short-sighted. We have to care for people at the right point in their health care journey. And the fact that we have seniors stuck in hospital beds when, when they're on wait lists for long-term care is unacceptable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I have a question regarding this for Patrick, and that's uh, the Liberals just unveiled a senior strategy. They committed to thousands of more long-term care beds being added over the next 10 years. I mean, what do you think of what they're proposing? Well, they've had 14 years to build long-term care. And they didn't. It was not a priority for them. And they've said it. It was not, it was not on their agenda. And now they're saying in 10 years they're going to build more. So if only we gave them 24 years instead of 14 years, give me a break. Uh, I'm going to invest in long-term care, and I'm going to make sure we do it right away when we, if we have the honor to form a government. We're not going to do it in 10 years. We're not going to say if only we had 24 years. We're going to invest in long-term care because it's, uh, it, it's, it's an important part of the health care fabric in the province of Ontario. Yes, um, I have to agree, and I read an article not too long ago about the city of Toronto having problems um, building. Well, yeah, facilities. because uh, the the some some of the uh, long term care homes say you know there there are rules they have to upgrade, and some of them are saying they can't afford to with the kind of subsidies 
that the province is giving them. Um, so uh, we'll let uh, Patrick respond to that. Michelle, thanks okay. for your call. Yeah, Thank CBC you. is reporting that operators of eight long-term care homes in Toronto with nearly 1,300 residents have told the province they intend to shut down or move their operations elsewhere. Now, this is preliminary. It, it, it's not final, but the, but the fact that that is a conversation is very worrisome. The fact that seniors are going to be forced to, uh, to move, uh, that risk of, of relocating what it means for their families who may be nearby. Um, you know, I'm, I'm alarmed by that, but it speaks to the underfunding that we have in long-term care in the province of Ontario. Okay, uh, Marla in Toronto. Hello, Marla. Hello there. Hello, Marla. <laughs> You're hello. on the air. Go ahead. Yeah, hello, uh, Patrick. I wanted to ask you uh, your ideas or what you have any uh, plans for uh, probate fees in Ontario, which are the highest across Canada. Yeah, so and, I... uh, I'm very upset when I realize that everything that my husband and I have worked very hard to acquire, and I want to stress that everything that we've already paid multiple taxes on, uh, and we you know, think, okay, we can leave what's left over to our children when we die and to our grandchildren, and lo and behold, the Ontario government swoops in and takes a percentage of absolutely everything that we've acquired after taxes. Everything, including not only your house and your car, but also even personal effects like uh, jewelry and um, your furniture, for heaven's sake. So okay, we'll bank let uh, accounts, investment well, accounts, everything. Okay, we'll let Patrick respond. Well, thank, thank you, you for the the question, and uh, I actually did a private members bill on this uh, um, about a year and a half ago, and so uh, I've heard these stories too. We have the highest death taxes in Canada. In, in the province of Ontario, the highest. Uh, and it, it's unfortunate because, frankly, we're overtaxed in this province. When you wake up in the morning, you get taxed. You get taxed at work. You get taxed to the pumps. You get taxed if you go to a grocery store. You get taxed when you're at a convenience store. You get, you get taxed all day long, all your life, and you think the one time you're not going to be taxed uh, again is, is when you die. But in the mm. province of Ontario... Death and taxes, we, Patrick. We have the highest death taxes in Canada. It's why I did a private member's bill. And for those that don't know the term, each MP, is allotted a time to put forward a bill in the legislature uh, each session, and, and that was my bill that I put forward to um, have uh, death taxes that are more in line with the rest of Canada. Okay, uh, let's go to John in Brampton. Hello, John. Yes, oh. hi, Libby. Okay, go ahead. Uh, Mr. Brown, I'm a lifelong conservative, so uh, I'm already committed to the cause. But I'd like to make a couple of suggestions. Number one, the $15 minimum wage, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Small businesses that can't afford to pay their people enough to eat, well, they shouldn't be in business. So what's the hell with them? Let them go. Um, and I guess that the other thing, you know, we, we, we kind of miss it, I'm sure, that just before the election, Kathleen Wynne will come up with something new and wonderful. Uh, and enough people in Ontario may buy it. And she could be back. Hopefully I'm wrong. But the, the appealing to people who are struggling to put food on the table or to pay rent, I think getting them on our side is probably not a bad idea. And, and, it, and additionally, it's, it's really only the right thing to do. And the other thing, if you want to win a lot of converts, why don't we straighten out 407? I mean, they've got a license to steal money from the citizens of Ontario like 
probably way worse than hydro. Uh, do a survey. You'll find out how many people are really, really upset with those plans. Okay, John, we'll let uh, Patrick so, comment on your suggestions. So on on both those things, uh, number one, uh, on $15, I, I support a $15 minimum wage. I just want to make sure that we give businesses the time to adapt. Even in socialist British Columbia, uh, they're doing a four-year timeline. The fact that Kathleen Wynne was against this and now she's for this and she's put this in an expedited timetable, um, I don't think it's fair to our job creators. A reasonable timeline is only practical. In terms of the 407, uh, that's... Uh, a contract agreed to by a, a previous g- government. Um, I would note, though, when this came up again, when Kathleen Wynne uh, gave permission to the city of Toronto to toll the 404. Previous um, conservative yeah, government. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> bef- bef- before I was even old enough to vote. But uh, uh, when it came up in this legislature about uh, tolling uh, the DVP uh, and uh, uh, the gardener. Uh, it was the PCs that uh, opposed this, and we managed to get the government to uh, to back down from this. Uh, um, you know, I I realize you need to get product to marketplace. People need to have the ability to uh, to move around. And when you know you start a war of tolls, I, I don't think it's uh, a positive for the GTA. Okay. Um, now I'm going to ask you a few questions, uh, and that's about you. You are said to be. A social conservative. Is that an appropriate label? I, People say they don't know I'm where sure, you stand. I'm sure on. Kathleen Wynne's office would send out talking points to that effect, but it's uh, baloney. Uh, let me say uh, very uh, uh, unequivocally, I was proud to be the first PC leader three years ago to have an official delegation in the Toronto Pride Parade. I've marched in the last three Toronto Pride Parades, the Ottawa Pride Parade, uh, and I've said... It doesn't matter who you love. If you're happy, you're happy. Government has no business uh, saying who you can love. And I'm a proud supporter of equal rights. I was proud to be the first MP in uh, in the history of Barrie to attend a pride uh, flag raising years ago. Uh, and uh, when I gave a speech at Queen's Park at the pride flag raising, I said, we should be proud in Ontario that all three political parties are here celebrating marriage equality, celebrating uh, the um, c- celebrating the fact that we have this in- inclusive uh, society. There are parts, there are other parts of the world where they don't have that unity in the political debate. And so, rather than you know the NDP were there first, then the Liberals, and then the Conservatives, but rather than criticize who got there, we should celebrate the fact that we're all there now. And you know, don't forget, there was a time when Barack Obama, Barack Obama was against. Uh, gay marriage, that Jean Chrétien, there was a point when he was against it, Dalton McGuinty was against it. You know, I think we should celebrate the fact that in Ontario you have three leaders of three political parties who are unequivocal in their support uh, for, for, uh, for gay rights and marriage equality. Okay. Uh, I guess that answers the question. Um, you, um, a few weeks back, uh, called for uh, – this surprised me that uh, this came from you. You called for a court challenge to Quebec's law saying that you couldn't get um, public services wearing a niqab. Um, where did that come from and, and what's your rationale? Well, the Liberals actually put forward a motion in the legislature uh, condemning um, what happened in Quebec uh, um, and sort of this flavor of uh, Islamophobia that has taken foot in, in, in some parts of the, of the world. Uh, um, and I, I praised uh, um, 
the liberals for this. You know, I, I, there's no monopoly in a good idea. I'm not going to criticize the liberals for the sake of criticizing the liberals, even though I'm the, the PC leader. In my opinion, hate is hate. And if there's hate against those of Jewish faith or Hindu faith or Catholic faith or Sikh faith, whatever whatever your, whatever God you worship, um, uh, that's your right. And, and I don't believe government uh, should ever be in the business of uh, picking on uh, any minority group. And I believe that the Canadian values that we should be proud of is that we always, we always stick up and have the back of religious minorities in Canada. You can worship whoever you like. Okay. Um, Just interesting because uh, the polling on that subject showed that most people, uh, both in and out of Quebec, did actually support that. It was surprising, maybe. And you know what? Uh, Polls are one thing, but you have to do uh, what is right. And uh, um, I won't govern on the basis of polls. I will govern on the basis of what I think is is right in my heart and my gut. And, And I believe hate is hate. And it doesn't matter what religion that's directed towards. Okay, uh, let's go to Bob in Shelburne. Hi, Bob. How is the day? Go ahead, you're on the air. Okay, Patrick, I'd like to know why you got involved with over 60 ridings in the province and put in your own candidate rather than the local riding association put in their candidate. Now it's got to be all done over again. Why don't you leave your nose out of other people's business and let the local riding association do what they want to do? Well, uh, first of all, I, we're not redoing anything, so that's a bit of a mischaracterization. Uh, let me just say this. It's an exciting time for our party. We have more people interested than ever before in running for the Conservative Party. Um, we've gone from 12,000 members to 160,000. We have 10 times more applications for candidates to become a nomination, uh, the nominee of the party, than ever before. And so what I did is I actually called them PWC. We were having meetings that were so big, so big that people were doing extraordinary things trying to get their votes out. And so I actually took the unusual step, something the NDP and the Liberals have not followed. Um, And I had PWC make sure that they audit uh, what, what's happening to make sure that the the the, the process is, is being done appropriately. And um, uh, frankly, I hope other parties follow the, the practice we've now established in the province of Ontario. But Bob, let me say, it's a good thing when you have people that want to run for your party. It's a good thing when people are joining your party. I think it speaks to the massive momentum there is for change. People want a different government than the Kathleen Wynne Liberals, and when you have that many people wanting to get involved, it's one of the surest signs uh, of, of that sense of change. Okay, uh, let's go to William in Toronto. Hi, William. Hi, Liv. Hello, Patrick. You're speaking to a, a Christian Orthodox Big C Conservative, the worst kind that there is. <laughs> well, how are you doing? I, I would like to know, sir, why you're letting the Liberal, Liberal Party get away with what they're getting away with as far as financing goes. Uh, uh, the uh, uh, the accountability minister and the... Uh, uh, audit minister have, have pointed out uh, illegal accounting and uh, the incompetence is unconscionable and bill more no should be bill no more and it's up to you to do something about it sir well bill well knows federal yeah, but to hear but back. but I, I i get your point i think what you're referring to is uh, the financial deception at, at queen's park and we're we're up in the legislature on this every day you know i've I've asked, I've asked Kathleen Wynne why she's allowing the finance minister to cook the books. You know, here we have the Auditor General, the Financial Accountability Officer, saying that we are in a massive deficit. And the, right now the government's making up their own accounting rules. The Auditor General actually said they're making up their own accounting rules to be able to pretend that they have a mythical balanced budget. 
you know, they, they've put all the, all this debt and deficit in, in – they call it off-budget debt. That, 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 that's not a real term. They're inventing accounting terms so that they can lie to the public and say we have a balanced budget. We don't have a balanced budget. We are in a significant structural deficit, and this gang at Queen's Park is not going to fix it. You want value for money. You want to make sure that we get control of deficit and debt. Um, it, only the PC party is, is, is going to address that. I find it a travesty that now in Ontario we spend more on interest payments than we do on hospitals. If you're born in Ontario today, like my adorable little nephew, Ollie, uh, and he was born last year, and he, he owes $23,000 because he was born in Kathleen Wynne's Ontario. $23,000 is your share of the debt if you're born in Ontario today. Okay, uh, Patrick, I know that uh, your schedule is tight. You have to leave. What would you like to leave us with? Well, you started this by saying uh, we don't know who Patrick Brown uh, is. And so let me just say... I grew up in Toronto, went to St. Mike's High School. Uh, uh, my family's originally from Barrie, uh, and family is incredibly important to me. I've got two younger sisters I speak to every day. I've got a, parents I speak to every day as well, and I've got a grandmother who's 103 years wow. old. Uh, who is still the matriarch and the smartest person in my family, Teresa Brown, and I have dinner with her every uh, week, uh, and uh, I want to do well by my family. I, 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 I want to get this province back on track. I want to make my grandmother proud that there's no reason we, can, we have to settle for an Ontario that owes more than anyone else. There's no reason we need to settle for an Ontario that receives equalization payments. Um, I... I love public service because I believe it can be a tool to do good, and uh, I think there's great things we can do in Ontario. Well, Patrick, I think that our audience wants to talk to you, and I have to apologize to the listeners whose calls we couldn't get to, but I hope that you will come back so we can continue the conversation. Thank you so much. I look forward to that. Okay, bye-bye. And we're going to take a short break now. And when we come back, we're going to talk about some big problems on our roads. We'll be right back after this. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.